Hey guys, today I am joined with my dear husband, Tom, as we walk through a little bit of a call to action, which you're not surprised to hear from us, and uh, look at a kind of fun little story that Rand Paul recently brought to the Senate floor in regards to Davy Crockett, a Lawrence County resident and congressperson from way back when, and a, a conversation that Davy Crockett had with a constituent and how that affected Davy Crockett and actually affected Congress as a whole. So there is power in the individual voice and we're going to talk about it. And of course, we've got you a call to action. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Apologies on the audio. We had a storm roll in in the midst of our recording. So stick with us as the thunder rolls. Hey, hey, I am joined today again with my dear husband, Tom. And we felt that, well, I felt there's a lot of uh, contributing factors to this conversation. And one is that I happen to be in the point of our homeschool year (laughs) where our history is covering such things like the Alamo. Today we talked about the battle at the Alamo where Davy Crockett died. And Davy Crockett happens to be from Lawrence County, Tennessee, which is... Not, that, a, not originally, but not that originally. is where he served as a congressman. As a congressman. That's where he died. No, he died in the Alamo. You're right, duh. And he moved I just on learned to, that. He moved on to western Tennessee. What is his house here? Well, he had a mill. Okay. Um, and there's a state park in the area that Right, but there's like his boyhood home or something? Yeah, that's... No, it's not his boyhood home. I think it's just a little cabin. That, there's a little cabin. Um, but there's a, a statue commemorating him on the square in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. We claim him. Um, and there's a state park here, Tennessee State Park. Uh, there's a movie theater. <laughs> he's a... Uh, Hospital. Obviously a very, very uh, renowned um, Tennessee figure historically. But, but he, our county specifically. He did uh, really live out the whole state in that he was born in East Tennessee or grew up there and then made his way to Middle Tennessee, which is where Lawrence County is. Lawrence County borders Alabama about an hour south or so of uh, Nashville. And then he moved on. Uh, his mill washed out, I believe, in a flood. And... This is also after the New Madrid uh, earthquake. earthquake and stuff, when he describes in his autobiography um, traversing that area from here to... After the earthquake. Yeah, West Tennessee area, where uh, I believe he was in the Dyersburg area, which is like far, far up that corner. And then he ended up, of course, going to the Alamo and um, dying there. That's where he died. I learned that today. Well, I knew that, but I taught my kids that today, but then I forgot by tonight. Anyway, 
We're also reading about David Bowie and um, Dan David Bowie. Jim Bowie. Daniel Boone. <laughs> Daniel Boone and Jim Bowie. Jim Bowie. Yes, not David Bowie. But David Bowie is worth learning about, too. It's just, you know, frontiersmen. This is the hard part about trying to record podcasts late at night because my brain has fully shut off by this point. Anyway, in that thread, I just found it interesting that I'm learning about all these people kind of in this, like, area of the country. Obviously, I'm always talking about politics and what's happening. And I actually have kind of shied away in recent moments from talking about oh balloons and alien spaceships possibly over our country and ohio train derailments and the implications of that i've just kind of been like there's so much all the time i'm never sure what to talk about but this really jumped out at me as tom came home the other day and told me a story of uh it's told by rand paul on the senate floor and Tom was reiterating the story to me, and I found it really interesting and compelling. And in that same vein, I'm also speaking later this week to the Republican women of Lawrence County. And my, you know, Holy Spirit is putting it on my heart to just encourage people into action. That is kind of what this podcast is. <laughs> has become and is is about is just encouraging people to take action and become involved and know what's happening. And this story that we want to share is kind of in that same vein because there was a citizen, and I'm going to let Tom kind of share the story, but there was a citizen of Lawrence County back when Davy Crockett, that's where I got Davy, David stuck in my brain. David Bowie came out of Davy Crockett. Anyway, he was a constituent of... Davy Davy Crockett, while Davy Crockett was on in Congress, and this man had a, a tremendous influence on Davy Crockett, and it actually affected how he voted later in Congress. And that's really unusual that any one citizen would go down in any record of any kind. And Rand Paul read the name of this citizen of Senator, Lawrence County. Senator Rand Paul. Uh, yes, Senator Rand Paul. In his address on the Senate floor recently, in regards to essentially the overreach, in my opinion, it's boiled down to just the the casualness and the the yeah overreach of our government in in their casual approach to the weighty job they have and the doling out of taxpayer money yeah and how flippantly they do it for every cause that strikes their fancy so that's what brings this story to light and and as you listen to the story i just you know in that vein of calling you to action the only reason that this struck davy Crockett so much is this person had the wherewithal to be paying attention to what his elected official was doing for him on on you know Capitol Hill. I think that's crazy because that's exactly what should be happening. That is exactly the influence that a random citizen should have over their congressperson, but we have become so casual ourselves 
And we don't even know who our elected officials are. And I will fully say that before two years ago, I three years ago, I was someone who did not know the names of my elected officials. I did not vote in midterms. I only voted in presidential election years. And even then I would vote basically just down ticket. I never really knew who the people were. And I most certainly was not paying attention to how they were representing me as my representative on Capitol Hill. So as much as this is a call to action to our senators and Congress people of this day that they should have a tremendous gut check about the responsibility that they have in their hands, but it also is a, it should be a gut check to each of us that we should know and be paying attention because though these decisions that are being made on our behalf are exactly that, they're on our behalf. And the consequences of the decisions should rest on our consciousness, like on our conscience, like we should, and whatever blood is on hands is shared on our hands. If we cannot claim to be ignorant, we cannot claim that we just did not know in the same way that if you are pulled over by a police officer, you, you know, you can't use the defense that you did not know what the speed limit was you're expected to know, you're expected to know and to, you know, abide by those rules or regulations. In the same way, we are expected to know what is happening on Capitol Hill because those those people are representing our voices. And if they are not representing our voices in the way that we would hope, the way that we elected them to do so, we have got to hold them accountable. And I also want to encourage you guys that it matters. It actually, it works if we hold them accountable. They are affected by our phone calls. They are affected by our emails. I'm seeing this happen in real time in our local county and something that we're dealing with here locally, very, very involved in, but also up to our state reps and our state government. Just this week, we saw a pause put on a committee that was meeting on an issue that we largely as a citizenry do not agree with. And we made such a racket about it that they actually paused the hearing on the committee, which is like... It matters. It matters when we pay attention and we make our voices heard. And all that we did collectively was email and call these people and tell them we wished we, you know, we hope that they are representing our voices. And here is what our voices should be saying on that floor. And these people are accountable to us. Their elections ride on us. And the more we start to pay attention and the more they realize we're paying attention, the bigger difference we are making. So I'm talking about this affecting our local community as well as our state. So of course that works up to the federal level, but to be quite frank, I'm ready to just throw out the federal level because it really affects us much more dramatically what our state and what our local communities are doing. And that is where we have the most influence. My local officials that are elected absolutely know my husband and my face at this point. <laughs> Most certainly my husband. Like by name, we have their phone numbers. They know who we are. They know what we think very, very clearly. That is new. That is that is on account of our paying attention to every conversation that is being had on our behalf. And it might be boring and it might be tedious, but it is our responsibility. And I am really discouraged by how many people are ready to take to Facebook and Instagram and be big fat complainers and are not ready to take similar action that would take the same amount of energy and the same amount of, 
you know, like 38 minutes that it takes to, you know, read about it and post on Facebook and check all your comments. The same amount of energy can be directed in an actually productive way as opposed to just being a complainer. So that is the call to the action ahead of time. But now I'm going to give you, because I just had to go on that rant. I was on a roll there for a minute. Tom's just sitting here patiently waiting for his part. So tell us the story. What did Rand Paul share on the Senate floor? So last year, in regards to a $40 billion uh, taxpayer gift to Ukraine. uh, That's a friendly way to put it. Senator Paul uh, referred to a article from Harper's Magazine that was published in 1867, um, which interviewed Davy Crockett, the congressman for... uh, southern middle tennessee regions uh, of which lawrence county tennessee was included at that time this would be the late 1820s and basically uh what the the story is of a bill that came before congress to uh allot some money taxpayer dollars to a widow of a um, general or colonel or something and uh, Davy Crockett made a pretty articulate speech about how, well, he has sympathy for, you know, those who have lost and are suffering. Um, he and the sacrifice. And the sacrifice. honorable. All that stuff is very good, but that he cannot, uh, he cannot impose and... Uh, Vote in favor. You know, cause the balance of the people to suffer because of that, that, um, and after this really articulate, um, and compelling speech, the bill actually failed. So he was successful. And, um, afterwards someone asked him, you know, you know, where did that come from? And he told them the story of how uh, a few years before that or something, he and some friends had been on the Capitol steps and saw a fire, off in the distance in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. area. And they made their way over as quickly as they can, but they were too late. A couple homes had already burned down. It sounds like three or four or five. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, basically, a, f- a bunch of families were completely homeless, possessionless, moneyless, etc. In the winter. In the winter. And, of course, he felt terrible for them. And the following morning put forth a bill. Uh, it didn't say specifically if he did, but a bill was put forth the following morning to a lot $20,000, which back then $20,000, quite a bit. Um, and in relief, to in this, relief to this, affected. to these families. And, uh, lo and behold, you know, they did that. Well, later that year he was back in his district and he ran into uh, a Mr. Horatio Bunce, who was just a citizen resident of Lawrence County. Now, the Lawrence County, Tennessee, was essentially the frontier at that point for all intents and purposes. Um, it, this is pre-Civil War. This is pre-major westward expansion. Um, you're, we're really only talking about 30 years' uh ish after the revolutionary war was won so this is brand new brand new tennessee is the frontier and um um he confront not confronted but ran into a, a citizen horatio bunce 
and asked him if he could count on having his vote in the next election. And uh, the um, citizen responded that, no, um, actually, you cannot. He said, I'll, I'll quote the article, you had better not waste your time or mine. I shall not vote for you again. Your vote last winter shows that either you have not capacity to understand the Constitution or that you are wanting in the honesty and firmness to be guided by it. Because the constitu Constitution, to be worth anything, must be held sacred and rigidly observed in all its provisions. The man who wields power and misinterprets it, it is the more dangerous, the more honest he is. And uh, so basically, um, Davy Crockett owned up to it and said, yeah, I did do that. And uh, Bunce went on to well, say... No, you didn't, you didn't, he went on to accuse him of saying, you voted for... You voted for this, this $20,000 relief bill, and you didn't have the right to give taxpayer money away. That's not a provision in the Constitution to just give this away. So he basically said you either don't understand it or you're, you're carelessly approaching it. Exactly. Well said. And um, he went on to say, this is a quote from the, the citizen, the power of collecting and dispersing money at pleasure is the most dangerous power that can be entrusted to man. While you are contributing to relieve one, you are drawing it from thousands who are even worse off than he. If you had the right to give anything, the amount was simply a matter of discretion with you, and you had as much right to give twenty million as twenty thousand. If you have the right to give to one, you have the right to give to all. And as the Constitution neither defines charity nor stipulates the amount, you are at liberty to give to any and everything which you may believe or profess to believe is a charity, and to any amount you think pro proper. No, Colonel, Congress has no right to give charity, Colonel being Davy Crockett. Mm -hmm. Individual members may give as much of their own money as they please, but they have no right to touch a dollar of the public money for that purpose. Um, it says, it said he, I'm not sure if Davy Crockett said it or the, the citizen that should every member of Congress give up just one week of their own salary, it would have amounted to the, to more than well, the bill. That was Davy Crockett said that in his speech saying in regards to the widow that they were. That's, that's right. right. Okay. So he was suggesting we as Congress, after he learned this lesson, we can give just a week's of our own pay if we want to, if we feel so compelled and led to give to this, you know, general's wife, this widow to honor her sacrifice. Most certainly we in Congress can do that. But of course they would be far less likely to give of their own weekly income when they could give of someone else's money. It's much easier making the point that it's much easier to give of money that is not yours, that you've been entrusted to it, distribute it's a classic slippery slope and uh you know this has been a meme and you know a talking point for years and years of you know it's easy to spend other people's money and that's you know pretty epitomized in today's uh washington dc culture however the reason why we bring this up isn't for the great points that the citizen makes that horatio Bunce although makes, they are great they are very good the reason why, you know, we're talking about this tonight is I just found it. So we've had some, a lot of local issues that have really been, uh, engaging people. And, um, you know, I've really, I 
created a Facebook group and have been engaging with my, you know, neighbors in the county, you know, kind of just uh, encouraging them and imploring them and get you know, involved, to, pay attention, uh, look at what's happening. Yeah, to that this is important stuff. And, and it's really been inc- there's been an incredible response. And lo and behold, you know, a few weeks into it, I hear this story, um, you know, in a video, I'm watching a video of Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul on the floor of the Senate, referring to not only our most famous uh, resident, uh, former (laughs) resident, but also how often in the entire history of the United States Senate has a individual citizen been mentioned by name and lo and behold a Horatio Bunce just County. we don't know a lot about him we don't know if he was rich if he was poor if he was a farmer if he was a blacksmith we don't know much about him but he made an incredible impact not only on Davy Crockett his representative at the time but all the way 200 years later, literally 1820s to today, 200 years later is still being, you know, referenced on the floor of the Senate. And uh, to Wendy's, you know, rant, well, (laughs) it's incredibly, um, it might really surprise so many of you how much of a difference you actually can have. And while we we, there's a lot of illusion in how we ha- make a difference. We are drawn to post something on Facebook and get a bunch of likes and comments that agree with us. Or maybe we even get in a debate on something and we all really know it doesn't change the world, right? But I tell you what, calling, it's so old-fashioned, but calling your representatives your county commissioners your city councilmen your state assemblymen going to meetings showing meetings up makes a huge impact it really does and in a very very short amount of time with really and truly a a very small amount of effort um we have seen the impact of our engagement and it's I have, we call our representatives often, <laughs> um, and usually you just leave them a message, but I've, I've heard more than one, uh, elected, rep. El- elected officials say this, like it, it's obviously scaled from the local to the State. national, but we heard representative or, uh, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky. We've had the pleasure of seeing him speak a couple times and, you know, he has stated very plainly, if you're getting a dozen calls on an issue because nobody calls about anything, about how anything, sad is this? that if a dozen calls happens in a day, like they, it's like it's pay, on the radar, pay attention what's going on. So it could be the smallest issue in your county that you need to have a congressman's attention. But if you get like 12 or 15 people to call you're probably going to get their attention. I'm not joking. Now, Not in the same way as you tag them on Facebook. Right. Not the same. Right. 
And this, and even more so is that applicable with your state representatives and even more so your local, your local representatives, your city council or your, your county commission. And so this is, uh, and we'll probably have more on this because Wendy and I are kind of engaging in this stuff, you know, more and more, but um, in the future, but it is just imperative. This is the time. And, and it's, it's not hard. It's not Very hard effort. Um, and it's interesting too. And I, I say this, I submit this very humbly, but like what I've found is the, like with little effort, um, they're listening more, the more we engage. So like if it's one thing, if they just know you're an individual citizen, but if they know that you're someone who's going to get other people to call, if they know you're someone who's going to bring other people to a meeting, if you know that, if they know that you're somebody who's going to be campaigning, like basically the more engaged you get, the more weight you have, like the more impact you have. And of course, you know, I would encourage you to do it constructively and not just be a wall banger, you know, just making noise. Um, but be passionate about it and be serious about it. And like, I mean, I I think we have some really great representatives, but I mean, I just left a a message for uh, one of our assemblymen the other day is like, Hey, you know, we're friends and, and I like you. And I think we actually are friends in actual life. Yes. And again, that's from being engaged. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you're there, but like, this is an issue that if you vote the wrong way, um, I will, I will have to believe that you're the wrong guy. And it's exactly coming full circle, exactly like this Horatio Bunce and Davy Crockett. Like they, they may have known each other, obviously if they, you know, stopped and chatted on the street, we voted for him and it's the a, first time. I mean, Lawrence County today is only 46,000 people or so. It was even smaller then. So odds are Davy Crockett and Horatio Bunce knew each other and were friendly. But Horatio Bunce, being the citizen, said, hey. I will not vote for you, you again. You, while we might be friends, you may not be the man for the job. And there's nothing wrong with, I think it's actually almost more powerful sometimes when you say that, that, hey, um, I like you. I helped you get there. But I will work just as hard as I worked to help you to remove you if that's if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, we I want to just hit on that again, that it made an impact on Davy Crockett so much so that he made a speech the next time a bill came to the Congress floor, which influenced the rest of his peers, which made that bill not go through. That is the impact we're talking about. One conversation, one citizen. And again, like you said, 200 years later, it's being brought up again. And now here we are talking about it on a podcast. The power of one conversation. And I will also say Davy Crockett did not win a second term. No, a third term. A third term. That was his second term. He was already in a second term. He did not get reelected because of the way that he... 
flippantly in their opinion approach that issue and how easy it was like you wouldn't even blame it like that was not this is not a send 40 billion dollars to ukraine issue this was a legitimate there are you know women and children of this country that have suffered a great loss no question there you know that is easy to understand it is easy to understand the compassion that Davey had and the reason that he voted the way that he voted, and yet his citizenry at his in his local, you know, district or whoever's voting for him thought, no, that is you don't get it. Because they said, we could have lost, and Horatio did go on to say this, we could have lost twice as many people in a fire down here, and we would have never gotten such a bill on the Congress floor simply because we were out of sight, right? We were out of mind, essentially. And that is, that is exactly the situation, the discretion that you can just decide who is the recipient of other people's money. And like he made the point, it doesn't matter that it's $20,000, you could have given them $20 million. You have the ability that cannot be underappreciated. The weight and the gravity of that cannot be under, you know, underappreciated. Word, I guess. <laughs> underemphasized underemphasized or, or, sure can't be, can't be overemphasized yes and in this in the way that we have you know I, I started this out by saying our lawmakers are so casual in their approach to these bills and and the you know the rules that how they have gone over the last eight years and beyond that a bill can hit the floor at 2 a.m. and be voted on by 8 a.m. Like, obviously, nobody's reading that. We're just, we're voting on millions, if not billions, of other people's money being spent. And the consequences for those expenditures fall on the people, not the lawmakers. They're wielding this money-giving power around so flippantly. But in the same, in the same way, we are comfortable and flippant with our the way that we vote or don't vote, the way that we pay attention or don't pay attention, the way that we post on Facebook and don't call our Congress people. We are equally to blame. We are equally as flippant and you know arrogant when we think about the approach and the Constitution and, and even those of us who are more engaged. I still wonder how frequently are you paying attention, you know, calling your congressperson or reading the most recent bill or educating yourself on the thing that you're about to go vote on. And again, I'm speaking to the choir because this last midterm is the first time I really felt like I know who the people are mostly and I know kind of what they think. And I also intentionally educated myself on the various, what were they? I don't know what they're called when you're, um, not a bill, but a didn't we have like constitutional uh, amendment? We had some, yes, those were specific. There was four state constitution state constitutional amendments. amendments that I like watched some videos, like tried to understand what are these amendments because that is not something I want to just like fill in randomly. Like I'd love to have a little bit of background knowledge. And even that, I feel like I did not do nearly the due diligence. That is my responsibility. You know, we are quick to accuse our, you know, Biden or whoever, like the, the more public figures of, of, you know, holding so casually the constitution and just disregarding the, the, you know, the sacredness of this, this document that is 
that has given us all the wonderful liberty and freedom we've had for a couple hundred years. Well, and let's come back to like, we all know it's derailed for a long time. So badly. So far derailed so badly. But one could argue that the reason why is because individuals stopped holding attention, stopped holding these people accountable and there is a process. So, so in uh, Lawrence County, as we've gotten involved, um, and it's kind of, you know, created a stir to a certain degree. <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of attention and pressure on some of our uh, local elected officials. And they're not, not every, not all of them have been really happy about that. And, um, but what's really what I would like to point out is that that's how it should be normally is that they're not just in rooms deciding things and then telling us what they decide, but that when we are aware as constituents of what is up for discussion, that we are telling them this is how we want it to be, not just send them off to do whatever they want to do. And it's, uh, it's been really incredible to see when we actually engage with that, um, how much, how much can happen. How much it matters. And how I would, much influence you actually have. You know, our, our job is really to hold them accountable to, but they, it's our job to communicate to them and tell them our will. If we don't do that, then what do we expect them to go off the rails and go doing whatever they will instead of our will? And make their dirty backdoor deals and do the will of the people who are paying attention, which right. unfortunately is Pfizer and, you know, all the other big mega donors. They know exactly what's being voted on. They know exactly what laws are coming down the pipe and they get in their ear long before anyone that ever voted for them. But as much as that money has influence, we're the ones casting votes for them. They do not have a job if we are aware and engaged and voting or not voting, right? We actually do carry that weight. But that is our call to action is to be someone who engages. If it's on the local level, that's the best. If it's on the state level, that is also easy because I'm sure there's ways, you know, very easy through websites and whatnot to, to figure out who your local officials are, what bills are coming down the pipe, what is being voted on, because this is where you live. This will directly affect you. And these are the people that if there is something happening on the federal level are going to block it or guard you from it, right? These are the people that are your, your, your Alamo, if we should bring it back to the beginning. They're going to stand and fight. So you need to know who the people are, and you need to be in their ear. So that's our call to action as a storm is rolling in and just completely disrupting our audio here. One more thing or no? Say one more thing, but it's stormy. Um, so the Lord's really put this idea on my heart over the last few weeks of just, uh, you know, over the last maybe couple generations or few decades that we have collectively and individually let uh, things into our families, our marriages, 
our schools, our libraries, our communities, our churches, that had we the ability to do it over again, I don't think we would let all these things in that we have. But the problem is, is we were apathetic. We were entertained. We were comfortable. And I believe that the Lord wants to restore the watchman to the wall. That's what I keep hearing is the, is we're restoring the watchman to the wall. And it's more than just local politics. That is for sure. It's engaging in your faith. It's engaging in the faith of your family, you know, raising your children, educating your children. It's being engaged in, in fellowship in your church, finding a church. If you do not have one, it's being engaged in your child's education. It's being engaged in the, the community as a whole. It's being a good neighbor, you know, and we, there's a calling on this generation. We will either be the last or we'll be the ones who get strong to make good times again, because we are living in trying times. And so we, we are the defining, determining, uh, we're determining the fate of our nation, our people, our families right now by whether we continue in our apathy and our comfort or whether we rise to the occasion and restore the watchmen to the walls. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, we just pray for your guidance always, Lord, that you would activate our hearts and our feet to be your hands and feet in the world, Lord, that the church would start to influence culture the way that you always intended it to be, Lord, that we would open our mouth and that we would be the church in a real and actionable way, Lord, in the small ways that we can and the ways that we feel are insignificant, Lord. We know that you can magnify them. We know that you can take our small actions and make them huge, massive catalysts for change. We trust you. We put our faith in you and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.